Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we are honoured to have Rich in the house. And he's worked for EMI, since an EMI 5. And I spotted that he was in the music business from a mile off, just to let you know. He said no, he's a banker, but he's a music guy at heart. Therefore, when you see him, you know he's a music man. So, Rich, nice to have you here today. Thanks, Simon. So, tell us, what kind of person were you in school and how did you fall into the music business? What kind of person was I in school? So, I would say it was one of those kind of gifted people where I kind of didn't have to try too hard up until being about 16 through GCSEs. Kind of coasted through that and then at A-levels found that much more difficult and didn't get all that greater exam set of exam results, if I'm honest, but probably a bit of a joker as well. Didn't pay too much attention throughout school, but yeah, certainly didn't get a, a wonderful set of exam results, so that shouldn't be something that holds people back either. Okay, that's good. So how did you fall in the music industry, and did you go into the music industry with a degree? So I didn't have a degree, no. I was, I was actually out of out of college, oh, I decided to take a year off from studying because I said I wasn't a natural studier. And at the, at the time, I actually quite enjoyed finance and numbers. That was, you know, I'd, I'd done accounting at A level and quite enjoyed that. So I decided to go do work for a year. And PwC, one of the big top four accounting firms, were actually setting on apprentices from straight out of college. Um, and I was lucky enough to be taken on one of their one of their effective like like grad schemes, but even though I'd not graduated, and I only intended to really do it for a year, and then I was planning to go into back to university. Anyway, I ended up staying on with PwC and studying to get my uh, chartered accountancy, so my AC, ICAW. At mm-hmm. the time when I qualified, I was actually one of the youngest in the country because I'd skipped the university bit so mm-hmm. usually you have to do three years of university three years of that long-winded way around answering your question i hated it i absolutely hated being accountant so wait a minute you said usually so why did they give you an exemption because i did a something called an aat which is a technician's version of an accountancy something that usually gets undertaken by people in uh, kind of management accountant type jobs Mm -hmm. so it was just a bit of a it's a bit of a fast path route into it and it was a trial and I don't know if they're still doing that route Mm -hmm. but it's it's very unusual to find people who have become a chartered accountant without having gone through university first because actually the Mm -hmm. the the exam say I wasn't a natural studier the exams Mm. are incredibly difficult you've got you've actually got to be really disciplined and I failed a few of them a couple of times round Um, so they like to see that you've had the experience of going through university can knuckle Mm. down and study so yeah okay so you ended up in the music business what was your title and what was your role Uh, yeah so I ended up leaving PwC to go work for EMI in their um, risk and assurance departments. I was a, a senior risk and assurance executive, uh, which sounds a lot grander than it was. And what we used to do was we would, it was a very small team and we'd get to travel around the world to different offices, um, EMI's different offices around the world, and effectively review their processes, tell them where they had too much risk in their processes, what things they could do to improve those processes. We also worked with senior management as well, doing like risk assessments with them. So at the time when I was working for EMI, there'd been a, 
a, a takeover. Um, Guy Han's company, Terra Firma, had bought EMI out right at the top of the finance bubble before it all crashed. And the new senior management executives that were in there, they didn't have uh, risk profiles for the business, so we helped them work up and assess the risks that they had in terms of this global mm. global business. One of the other roles I did was, you know, we used to do a lot of fraud investigation, so whenever fraud was reported within the company, uh, we'd travel to where that was and we'd undertake investigations there as well, which was quite an interesting part of the job. So you're just sitting around the world, what kind of fraud were you dealing with? So I'm thinking fraud in an American in a music industry. What? what are they yeah. So, so cheating it, expenses. It, well, yeah, it wasn't as exciting as that. I mean, one of the things about the the music industry, or certainly back then when it was all physical with CDs, was sales were physical. So you would recognise a sale when you ship the sale. So what used to happen? It was quite common in Brazil, was that they would ship a lot of sales at the end of the year in December to get their sales numbers up and then they'd tell their suppliers to return them in kind of like January, February and then they'd refund them but the sales would have counted for the prior year. Yeah. The other one that we'd often see is is kind of not booking invoices in the right places so you'd rather than allocating your invoice but your video budgets for example to different artists you'd kind of just put it all in one big pot and team and laid it out mm -hmm. and it, it was a lot of financial accounting the other one was we saw some really good fake invoices where a guy was creating fake invoices <laughs> and invoicing the company and he bought he built himself some big mansion down in out by Miami or something like that we found, actually found like the uh, the, the, the templates machine, and template, things yeah. in for, for these. And what happened to them? Go straight to jail, do not pass go, do not collect £200? I think a lot of these times they just get rid of them sometimes just yes. to like not create the publicity. I don't believe that he actually went to jail in that. He instance. just kept his house. All right, <laughs> early retirement. <laughs> okay. Did you ever have any like fear of your safety because you're dealing with some different places in the world operate with different rules? I had, that's probably another podcast in itself in terms of all the, there was a couple, yeah, I had some run-ins with the Brazilian police, I've had guns drawn on me by the, uh, by the Brazilian police, I got into a bit of a, um, a bit of a dangerous spot in a Hells Angels bar in in Tokyo of all places. <laughs> um, okay. There's, there's been a, there's been Hells a Angels in Tokyo? Hells Angels in Tokyo, yeah. So they're Japanese? Yeah. And they just, okay. Oh, they really took on. Yeah. You know what? Stories. <laughs> I would love to, listen, this, you're going to have to add me as a favourite because sorry audience, we're coming to the end of the journey and it's uh, Tuesday morning so we've got to let him get out for work. I can't be seen to kidnap him. <laughs> just to hear his stories say, Your Honour, I just had to hear the story. <laughs> but anyway, great to have you. We wish you well in whatever else you're pursuing in life. Thanks, Simon. All right. We hope that episode enhanced your life. We post an interview every day as well as vlogging on our social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode.